and welcome to an Irish NFL show podcast special as we build up to the big weekend that is upon us, the wildcard weekend. Um, we're going to look at the Giants-Vikings game this Sunday night, 9.30 Irish time. I'm delighted to welcome a member of the Giants Insider podcast, the beat writer Chris Billignano to the show. We've, recently, we've previously had Jerry Foley on the show twice, so it's great to have Chris on board. As Jerry always says, no one beats the biz, so it's great to have Chris on board. Chris, you're very welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Brian. Welcome. Pleasure to talk to you, man. And uh, overseas, man. I, this is my. I think, yeah, this is my first overseas pod, man. Looking forward to it. Oh, uh, we're looking. We're, we're thrilled to have you. We had Jerry on. We had Jerry on the night of the, the draft. He came on live just after we had the uh, two picks, five and seven. He came on just shortly after. Um, we made our picks. He he quickly reacted to that news, and we had him on during the off season, kind of discussing. The new coaching situation, and uh, I suppose that's it. no better place to start. Yeah, we we spoke off off uh, off recording around the fact that we had Joe Shane on last summer, leading into into preseason, and it, he was very courteous with his time. But he, you know, same kind of nature of way he'd been saying consistent message throughout the course of the few months when he took over, which is we are looking for dependable players, you know, tough dependable players that they can rely on, and that seemed to be the same mantra coming from Brian Dave. Like from a Giants fan, as yourself, who's been watching difficult years over the past few years, and with the exception of the 2016 year, which we lost in, very early on in the playoffs to the Packers, I don't think anybody expected. I think we were all in unison that we expected to see a big bounce back, but not necessarily a team that would win nine games and put themselves in the position to go to playoffs. Bearing in mind the salary cap situation we had, bearing in mind there was very little free agency activity, and you're going to expect players within the draft to come come in and compete and ultimately deliver this season. So it's been a huge turnaround. Your your thoughts on the whole, um, I suppose, the back office and the head coaching situation coming into the season. Coaching matters, Brian. Coaching matters. And there is no way. Honestly, this roster, receivers, there's no way this team should be in the playoffs. Okay? But here they are. A nine-win team going to Minnesota a wild card weekend. So that is a credit to what the players have bought into, how dedicated they've been since day one of OTAs, and the job Brian Dable and his staff have done, and a great job by Joe Shane getting guys basically off the street, guys that were released from other teams. Even this week, it hasn't ended, hasn't stopped. They just signed James Washington. I saw him in the locker room today. Brought he tried out yesterday. They signed him to the practice squad. Another receiver, you know, a little depth wise, you know, a little add a little depth in case something happens. Um, so Joe Shane, you know, getting guys like Jason Pinnock, Nick McLeods, Fabian Morose, you know, guys that are, that were released from other teams, are drafted free agents, and all that stuff. They're coming here and buy into this program, be coached up by a excellent coaching staff. And let's face it, bro, we didn't know what we had. You Look, we all know what Dable did in Buffalo, right? We know Wink's resume in Baltimore. Joe Shane, he was just an assistant GM at being. We didn't know what was going to happen. Well, guess what? It's now January 11th, and now we know what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is, is that, okay, they might lose games. They've lost six this year, and they had the one tie, and they might lose this weekend in Minnesota. But they're not going to get outcoached, brother. They're not going to get outcoached. And in the previous years, on the other head coaches that we've had around here, there's been games they were just flatly, flat out outcoached. Okay, 
that hasn't happened and it's not going to happen with these guys so look over here you have the four major sports bro you have the hockey basketball football all that stuff and the only one that coaching makes a huge difference is the difference maker is football the national football league and you've seen it this year brother and these guys, Brian Dable has been incredible. Mike Kafka, Wink, the assistants, and they're the main reason why the Giants are sitting here right now. Yeah, it's great that you caught out some of the players that have come in and contributed, as I said, from being released with other teams. I mean, there's other names. I, I had a list here. Marcus Johnson, Isaiah Hodgkin, Hudson's. Oh, what a fine he's been. Yeah. Yeah, what a fine. And I can bear in mind the, the uproar and the intensity around the trade deadline to go and find a wide receiver and... and Joe Shane and friends was consistent with the message. I'm not going to give up on draft picks here. He finds Isaiah Hodgins. You get down the Collins back, Jalen Smith. I know he's been a bit up and down in terms of his, his play overall over the course of the season. He's had some up games and some down, but again, another player that's come in. He, again, he was there at the back end of last season and they picked up again, but again, another player that's contribute. Jared Davis comes in on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Plays Villian. You asked the question on, on your own social page today whether he will contribute on Sunday. It's immense that these players can come in None of them are really household names, but yeah, as a connect collectively as a group, are all contributing, and including the draft players, and not just the ones at the top end of the drafts. You know, Bellinger, he was a, he was a huge miss when he went out with the injury in Jacksonville, and we lost him for three or four games because he was only starting to really pick up and show the uh, the productivity, be how productive he could be as a tight end. Brian Moore, he was he was picked in the fourth round, and he was for him to have those games, and yeah, he's come back and he's he's hit the ground running again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the draft look, their draft class has helped them. We all know that. Um, and these undrafted guys they signed that you know, I, I you know, thanks for reminding me, bro. I, I I forgot about I say Hodges and I was ripping off some names, you know. I mean, where the hell would they be without him right now? You know, four touchdowns. Nobody expected that, right? So it's a great job by Shane and his personnel men, man. because they, 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 he has personnel men that just look through every NFL roster. And when they get released, okay, and okay, well, what could this guy do for what has he done in the past? You know, stuff like that. And you have to identify this talent and how they fit into this program, you know. And they have done that. They've done it. Look, Jared Davis comes in, um, a former number one pick for the Lions. Career career didn't work out the way he thought it was going to work out. But here he is. Bring him in. And he's an upgrade. I, the Giants, one of the biggest holes the Giants have had this year has been an inside back, okay. Jalen Smith, like you said, has had some good moments and he has his other moments, all right. But Davis comes in, 10 tackles in a day, half a sack. Guy filling up that gap a few times, put a hat on some backs. Okay? He impressed. He impressed. Do I expect to see him Sunday? Yeah, I do. How many snaps? Well, we'll see. But do you? would it surprise you, Brian, if he's playing alongside Jalen Smith Sunday? No. It's, it's not going to surprise me. You know, so they continue. You know, look, they, this team was not has not been good against the run all year. One of the main reasons why is their inside back is just not good enough. Okay, but they keep looking for talent. Okay, let's bring in Jalen Smith. Okay, now we're going to give McFadden the reps. Take Crowder. Let's get him out of here. We don't like the, what he's doing, so we get get him out. Okay, we'll put him in a practice squad. Steal his son. Okay, but, but all right, you know what, Jared Davis. Let's get let's let's get him in here. You know, so let's give him a look. And this is what they've been doing all year, and um, it's a great job by Shane and his men. It really is because this guy Davis. Hey, look, you know they're going to get. I know when you think of the Vikings, you think of JJ, Justin Jefferson, Hawkinson, guys like Diana Dealers, but let's not sleep on Dalvin Cook now. Okay, he's one of the better backs in the game, and he could hurt you. He's all one there. 
And you can't have them out there. You cannot have Dalvin out there running, getting chunk yards, you know, eight-yard runs, five-yard runs, 11-yard runs. Because if they do that Sunday, that's going to open up a lot, man. And you can't have that. So you hope that Davis comes in and Jalen, and they do a, you know, somewhat container running game. And, uh, I, you know, you could see that because this guy Davis is hungry. I was talking to Jared today. He's hungry, man, you know. You know, he wants to he wants to come in and make an impact. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're gonna to come to the game in a few minutes and you touch on Cook there. I would also call out James Madison, the other running back is really strong. Kind of similar kind of similar kind of player to Cook, you know, downfield type of running back. Is a good guy. Yep. Yep. Before we get to the game, we're just gonna reflect on a few things. And obviously Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have been the marquee players and obviously they were the two with the most scrutiny coming into the season in terms of what this new GM and head coach and staff are going to think about players. And again, it's a certain, like any coaching staff when they take over, they say all the same things at the, the opening press conference. We're going to analyse the player. We're going to get to know the guy, right. see why it hasn't played out and worked out for him over the course of the three years. Is it him or is it more so because players aren't around him? I'll tell you a little story. Myself and Colin, one of my colleagues, who's a Broncos fan, where we were at the Super Bowl last year in LA and we were at the Bengals uh, presser on the Friday and Joe Burrow was there and he has the glasses on and he's all relaxed looking forward to playing the Super Bowl. I said to him, to call him, I said, we should embrace the fact that the, that the Bengals have made the Super Bowl. And he said, why, do you, why are you saying that? And I said, because they won four games last year. And yeah, here they are, <laughs> a season on, and they're in the Super Bowl. And Colin's response to me was, yeah, but the problem is, and he's, as a Broncos fan, he goes, neither of us have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, they obviously made the deal and Brian Russell Wilson, and that hasn't materialised to what they would have expected. No. We, on the other hand, remained with our quarterback and... We didn't expect to see what we see now with Daniel Jones this year. I mean, the turnover, not just so much the, so much the turnovers, but the, the loss, the fumbles, you know, the, the turnovers, and that's not necessarily where, you know, he's running with the ball and he's not taking care of the ball and we see fumbles. Even that Broncos game, for example, immediately strikes me as week one last year where he didn't protect the ball properly when we were in the red zone. We haven't seen any of that this year. You know, he's literally, it's all turned around and it's all again turned around to great coaching. Did you ever in a million years believe we would be here with Daniel Jones, not necessarily because of where we are in terms of going to the playoffs, but in a position where I wouldn't say he'd be demanding huge numbers in a contract come the offseason. I'm hoping that he would see the bigger picture that he's better off staying in New York with Dable and we coach correctly. But you never saw in a million years that we would be 12 months removed from where we were with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones would be getting a contract. No, uh, it was just a big question mark. You know, it was just like when, when Daniel went into this season, when people ask, hey, Chris, you know, you got the franchise quarterback. You got your friend. I used to say the same thing. I used to say the same answer all the time. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. You know, let him, let him get in Dable's system and let's see what he could do. You know, because that was the biggest question mark. You know, I, look, Saquon, as far as I get him some help up front. And once he's healthy, we knew say, what Saquon could do. All right. He needs some help, right? He needs just some offensive linemen, run blocking offensive line, and he needs to stay healthy. And we were like, okay, well, we're not that worried about Saquon, you know, once you get some help. But Daniel, there was, well, we just don't know. It's three years, and, it, and I got to be honest with you, right? You know, so many times I've said, well, it's three years and we don't know. I guess that's your answer, which was negative, right? Like, I guess since we don't know after three years, that's probably your answer. Well, guess what? It's after three years. This is year four. And now we got our answer. And, and the answer is, yeah, Daniel's going nowhere. Daniel's the guy for this team. He's going to be, he's going to be here. He's going to be signing an extension. Brian Dable has done wonders with him because he's, progr- he's, he's schemed his offense of what Daniel does well. And you have to remember, 
He's got no receivers. He's got a bunch of threes. And maybe, you know, like I like to say about Darius Slade, okay, I'll give you a 2, 2B. Two I like to call him, you know, I, I like to say 2, 2A, two, 2A. Two. All right. You know, that, but he's got no real weapons. And they're going to make that a priority in offseason. We know that. So you look at it right now, Brian. You look at Daniel right now and you say to yourself, what this guy had a true number one receiver? Well, guess what? They're going to try to get that next year. But Daniel's going nowhere. Daniel's going to be the quarterback. He's answered the questions this year. Man, the, 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 uh, hey, can you stop turning the ball over, Daniel? Well, guess what, Brian? He answered that question. B, can you lead this team in big moments? Well, guess what, Brian? He answered that question numerous times. Okay? He is he is rose to the challenge, man. He is rose to the challenge. And Brian Dable's not easy on him. Trust me, I'm tired. I think people saw that week one. He snapped on at Tennessee. He's got on him a few times. But Brian Dable went into the season like, yeah, I like him, but let's see what he could do. That's why they didn't pick up this 50-year option. Well, guess what? Brian Dable now loves Daniel. Loves him. And thinks they could move forward. Him and Joe, Shane, they think they could move forward with him. That's what you're going to see. Yeah, the emotion on the sideline when he came off and he got to his standing ovation coming off against the Cats a few weeks ago. Great move. Yeah, and the look from Brian Dable was was fantastic. I'm just going to call out three three moments for me this season that I thought were, were key, but one of which was very early on in the process, which was last January at the opening press conference in which John Mara said, we've done nothing to help the, the kid. You know, we need to f- figure out how we're going to support this kid better to give him the opportunity to show the, the confidence and obviously the, the ability in which he has. That was one. And Why? Brian, his exact words were, we screwed this kid yeah. for three years. That was his exact words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, they, I didn't want to quote him too much, but yeah, that was the message. The second one for me, um, and maybe it was a blessing that it happened, uh, strangely enough, was week one, and w- when he threw the interception in the red zone yeah. late on in the game, and it looked like the game was going to go f- away from us at that stage, and Brian Dable obviously goes over to him on the sideline, and he didn't, he, we all knew what was going on there, and like he, Dable played it down after the game and said, that, look, I didn't even know who I was talking to, but we knew, and, and everybody knew that, he was making a point, you, you can't be doing that if you want to be the cornerback here. And the third one, and maybe selfishly because I was at the game, the, the London game, I mean, Saquon Berkeley went off injured in the second half. Thankfully, he came back and scored a winning touchdown. But he went off for a number of drives in that, in that second half when he got the shoulder injury. And that was the kind of game where the Giants could have folded. They could have just played the whole factor of having to go abroad and play a game and travel across to London, which is seven hours. The, the funny thing is, you travel six hours to the West Coast, and no one seems to really talk about that. The opposite, they, they really talk about, oh my God, we're going to London at seven hours. Right. Yeah, we, like, like it's a 14 hour Hawaii flight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's how many Joe Shane asked for the, yeah, I'll get away from the point, but Joe Shane asked for the bye week after Seattle, as opposed to uh, as opposed to London. I asked him that on the show. I'm back at plate. Yep. Yeah. And I asked him that on the show. He said, from oh. my experience with the Dolphins, I went to London. And I appreciate when we came back, we didn't need the boy. That's another one to throw in there. Um, no, but the point I was going to make was, in that second half, Daniel Jones stood up in that game when Saquon wasn't on the field. Drove was down. Gary Brightwell goes in with a touchdown. And we usually could have said, we're in London. It didn't work out. It was at a game abroad. We were playing against a Packers team, Aaron Rodgers. There could have been numerous reasons to say it just wasn't their day. But yeah, he he, he stood up and took the team on, it, on his shoulders and won that game effectively for Absolutely, man. He's done that a few times this year. I mean, look what he did against the Colts. Running for 91 yards, okay? Lowering his shoulder, taking hits, sees the end zone. Uh, you know, that, that, that second rushing one, he sees the end zone. He could have maybe went out the one or two. Instead of, you know, he, he's, like he said after the game, he goes, no, I, I, when I see the end zone, I'm going for it. 
Okay, he knew he was going to get hit. Okay, he's done this. He's put this team on his shoulder numerous times this year, man. Numerous times, and that's what you look for in a quarterback. You know, what's he going to do in crunch time? Is he gonna Is he gonna make the plays? He's gonna step up above everybody else and go, okay, guys, you follow me. I'm gonna I'm gonna Willis the win. I'm gonna, you know, he's done that, man. He's done that. Uh, there's no question about you know what Daniel could do. Uh, look, is he look? Is he the most perfect top five quarterback? No, he's not. Can he win football games in this league? He has proven this year. The answer to that is yes. And like we just talked about Brian a few seconds ago. How about when he gets some weapons too? And how about he gets a little better interior offensive line? The interior guys are a little better pass pro. Uh-huh. Neil's going to be better in a second year. Okay. Andrew, we know what he's doing now. Okay. And then and that interior of the line has to be tightened up. Has to be tightened up. And I'm sure that's going to be a priority for Joe this, this all season. But you know what? Man, I, I, I tell you, I, I marvel how fast he is too, man, because I've been telling people for four years how fast this kid is. I think some people finally saw it this year when he when he took off. They're like, "Wow, this dude can really, this dude can really run." You know, uh, he's 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 such a great, um, ath- he's such an athletic kid, man. You know, the only the only time he doesn't show that athleticism, Brian, is when he throws those slides and he sees he's so awkward in those damn slides at times, and you say to yourself, "Damn, you're so athletic. Why can't you slide without getting blasted?" You know, but um, hey, look, Daniel's answered the bell. That, that's the bottom line, Brian. Um, Daniel has answered. Yeah, the sliding is still a slight concern. It's it's it is improving. We saw in Dallas last year, you know, when he went out with the concussion on the road game, and he stood up and he was wobbling. But uh, no, it is improving. It, it does again. It will get better in time, I imagine. Um, Mike Kafka obviously brought in from the Chiefs. He was the quarterback coach from the Chiefs, and and when he came in, I, th- I suppose when Dable got the job and came in, everybody was under the assumption Brian Dable would be the play caller, and Look, every head coach, every new head coach has their own way of doing things. Like Kevin O'Connell, somebody who we're going to face, for example, right. again, we were fortunate to interview him in the, su- in the summer. Really good guy, and he's the play caller there. He's the, the guy behind the, the wheels on their offense. Yeah, and it hasn't worked out for like uh, Hackett in in Denver. He went in, he was the play caller, corner immediately. He's lost his job since, uh, and we're seeing this week. It's reflective of the great work Kafka has done. That now already we've seen two teams reach out. We know tongue in cheek on social. You've already said. <clears throat> just please leave this guy where he is and we don't want him going anywhere but uh, right. it, it's it's great credit to him already within a year I've been a cornerback coach you, you look at his trend he's only trended upwards in his career you know at one stage Northwestern and he's moved up moved up the ladder and now we're here he's in a position with potentially two, an opportunity to view for two coaching jobs in the Texans and the Panthers but like, I don't think it should be undervalued the, the role in which he's done in all of this I know Brian Dable gets all the credit but he's been fantastic as well yeah, and you and Brian, you know, I know we follow each other on Twitter and all that stuff. And if you notice, man, a lot of times when I talk about the offense, I'll put Dable slash Kafka because I don't want to leave him out of it. Because what Mike has done is has done so many good. I mean, look, what he's done with this red zone offense is incredible. This red zone offense has been pathetic the last three years 28, 30, 34, whatever, right around those numbers, okay? From that to seven with this personnel. I put it back in training camp, but I was watching practice every day. I was putting it on Twitter. I was telling Jerry, you know, Foley, <clears throat> hey, dude, this is going to be a different red zone offense. You got to see the motion. They're doing crosses in the end zone. They're looking for mismatches. You know, they're trying to confuse defenses. They're trying to get traffic in the end zone with crosses, which is huge. Just the different schemes they were using. 
lot of motion, especially. <clears throat> and I said, well, this is going to be an improved red zone offense. Now, that I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up, you know, wop and say, oh, yeah, I told you we're going to be a top 10. I never said that. I just said they're going to be an improved. But to be number seven, that's incredible. Mike Kafka's done an incredible job, man. And like you said, bro, you know, Dable gets a lot of the credit. You know, he's the head coach. We all know he's a coordinator up in Buffalo. That's why he gets the credit. He's an, he's an offensive guy. Um, but like you just said, Kafka getting two interviews already, and who knows? There might be more coming down the pike, okay? Um, that's a credit to Mike. You know, that's, it really is because you know what it is? These teams are looking at the personnel the Giants have and seeing what he has done in third down offense, and what he's done in red zone offense, and, you, and they're saying, man, Look what this guy is doing with this personnel. Well, what's he going to do with our personnel? Get him in here. Get him in here. I want to talk to him. All right? We want to interview him for this job. Yeah. So it is. It is. I'm happy for Mike. Mike's a great guy. I'm happy for him. And and Dable and him have worked together well. Yeah. And, and uh, they, they've both done a great job. Because with, when you look at the receivers and even Balogie, you know, he's just a rookie tight end. He's not the guy who's going to rip apart your secondary. And to do what they've done. Is pretty good, man. And what they've done, Daniel, obviously, too. So credit to them. It's amazing how quickly things can evolve in the league. Yeah. Martin Wink, <clears throat> excuse me, Wink Martin then loses his job in Baltimore last year. And I know quite a few Ravens fans that were very disappointed with that decision. They felt they should have been the offensive coordinator gone, as opposed to the defense, bearing in mind what they were using towards the back end of the season. And here we are a year on there. Wink Martin then, I'm not sure, is in the running for any coaching positions this year, but like, it was only a few years removed that he was he was interviewing for head coaching jobs for himself. And then I reflect on him and I reflect on where Patrick Graham was. We didn't want to lose Patrick Graham last year. He goes to, to Vegas for the Raiders. And I think we even engaged on a couple of messages during the season when he said, at what stage is Patrick Graham going to be showing the door because this hasn't materialized. And at one stage, he was getting interviews for head coaching positions. It's just how quickly things can turn around for people <laughs> yeah. within this league. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um yeah, I don't think going to, I don't think Graham's going to get any any views this season. <laughs> With the Raiders, the way they played defensively, they they've blown like four or five or how many games they've blown with thirteen point leads. I mean, so he's not going to get any. I'll be surprised if he gets any views this off season. You know, and as far as Wink, um, you know, it's pretty funny, Brian, because you know, Wink was in heavy consideration for the Giants job a couple of years ago. Mara loved him, you know, and Gettleman at the time really loved him, and Wink wanted the job bad. And then Judge comes in and he blows him, you know, blows the doors off with his interview. We all know that story. Uh, and he, he winds up getting a job. And, and uh, here we are. Now, Wink winds up coming back with the Giants this year. And yeah, look, I, I expect him to get a few interviews, Wink. Uh, he hasn't had, hasn't been requested yet. Unfortunately, now for Wink, his age works against him because the trend in the NFL now is to hire all young guys, hire young guys, hire, you know, Sean McVay, you know, guys like that, you know, so. We'll see what happens. He deserves to be a head coach, Brian. I hope he does. You know, I don't want him to leave. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him to leave. But uh, for the guy personally, you know, he, this is what he wants. You know, so we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, we we were fortunate to interview Scott Pioli during the week, former GM in the league, and we asked the question around how it becomes a distraction for any coaches after their mind the joins going into a, a weekend preparing for a playoff game when you know already some of your staff have been, you know, you know, being requested off to go and, and interview for jobs. So he just said, these, these guys are so professional. They, they remain focused on, on the job at hand, which is essentially to get the guys ready for Sunday, both offensively and defensively. And that brings us to Sunday's game. 
we're away to the Torts Eve, which is the Minnesota Vikings, and we're on the road. And I don't know whether it was the Christmas Eve thing or whether I was busy trying to get things ready for my young children with, with Santa Claus coming that night. <laughs> right. That that defeat didn't feel as disappointing as it was. Like when we played Dallas at home in week, week um, three. three, week three on the Monday night football, and when we went in on Thanksgiving and there was a game really, we you know, without the players, we still had a great opportunity. We should have probably won that game. And that game on Christmas Eve, once we lost, we have to again to a 61-yard field goal. And it looks like nobody can make 61-yard field goals unless they're playing the Giants in this league. <laughs> but there was something different about that game. We walked away from that game and there was three massive points in the game. There was the turnover by Ballinger, there was the interception by Daniel and obviously the black punt. Um, which again, I, I wouldn't have put that down to get in. It was just one of those situations where the line didn't hold up correctly. And yeah, we walked away from a game losing to a field goal and Dan and I, I was texting a number of Giants fans who were based on this side of the world. And they all had the same comment to was if we go and play these guys again in the playoffs, and at that stage, like, I think maybe it was a comfort factor that we knew, despite the loss that we beat the Colts, we were going to make the playoffs, that we, if we play these guys again, we have a real opportunity to, to overturn that defeat from Christmas Eve and go and beat them again. And, and no mold, here we are two and a half weeks later and we're going to have that opportunity. Yeah, and that's the feeling too, man. I, you know, I gotta be honest. The Giants left that. They left the building that day. Like we just gave these guys the game. These guys were what were they? Thirteen and two at the time. Ah, oh, three, whatever. Twelve and three, whatever it was at the time. And 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 they feel like they just gave them the game, you know. And and they did. Let's face it. Two plus territory turnovers. The punt. Daniel. Uh. Uh. The drop pass. Remember on the hot read by Richie James. So they, they, they shot themselves at the foot numerous times. No Dory Jackson and no Xavier McKinney. Both um, McKinney's definitely playing Sunday. Dory looks like he's going to try to give it a go. Okay, uh, well, we'll see. You know, that's all I can say with Dory right now is we'll see. I mean, we hope if McKinney kind of slipped his elbow, he's playing. But, you know, you talk to Dory and it's like, well, I want to make sure I'm 100%. So I, I'm, I'm kind of done speculating on Dory. I thought he'd be back a couple of weeks ago, to be honest with you. But it's a playoff game. I'm sure Dory's going to give it his, the best best chance he could to get back out of there okay um so without those guys <clears throat> um they lose by a 61 yard field goal wink goes very aggressive in that last drive and, and the vikings get him a few times especially in that last screen to set him up for that 61 yard field goal but that's the feeling man the feeling's like hey if we see these guys again you know we're gonna get out of there with a win this time you know um and i i tell you you know being in a locker room today i could tell you this there's no there's none of this like oh we're playing with house money type feeling or you know okay we're happy we got here with nobody picked us for the playoffs and here we are hey let's go out and have some fun you know no these these guys feel they could make a run i'm telling you bro excuse me these guys feel they could make a run and i'm telling you something even more and, and I'm not going to get too far ahead. I know it's the Vikings, but what happened in the night in Philadelphia? Playing second and third stringers, and it came down with an onside kick to make it really interesting. Okay, if they would have recovered that. There's a feeling in the building that, hey, if we have to go into Philly in a few weeks, too, it's not going to be 40 to 22 like it was early in the year. Okay? But let's stay in hand. I get it. It's Minnesota. The feeling is we gave them last game. We got some pieces back. We have a very good chance to get out of there and move it on in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to say I look at this defensive side of the ball. 
initially just discussing this game because I was like obviously coming back you obviously doing your analysis and reviewing the game and like we were very blitz heavy obviously we were blitz heavy throughout the course of the season 45% of the players defensive year oh, yeah. are blitz uh, blitz plays and not only we go man to man in the second league but like in fairness to Justin Jefferson like he's one of the best wide receivers in the league it doesn't matter who seems to go up against he's had very few quiet games this season in that game 12 catches 133 yards um, 16 targets and he scores at LA touchdown and there's a lot of zone uh, play calling by even though we were blitz heavy we were still going zone as opposed to man to man and again, I, I recognise he tries to play within the means of what players he has available. Dory Jackson coming back on Sunday, and yeah, again, as you said there, right now we can't be speculating whether he's going to be playing. If he comes back, there's two two elements. One, he comes back really fresh, and he's, he gets on top of Jefferson, and they, they go man-to-man, and mm-hmm. it works out perfectly. Or he gets exploited because he hasn't played since mm-hmm. week 11 after the Lions injury, and he's just not game ready or match fit, whatever, whatever term we want to use. And Jefferson... You know, there's a number, and again, do we do we go back into the zone s- scenario again on Sunday, or do we totally go back to what's worked best for us this season, which is if we are blitz and we're a man to man in the second? Yeah, well, Winkle, I think Wink is going to mix it up. If Adoree's back, Wink, you're not going to just leave Adoree out on, a, on an island with JJ with Justin Jefferson. You know, uh, now will he be man at times? Sure. Will there be other times where they're going to like bracket him? Will it be? Will it? Will it be other times they're going to bracket him? Yeah, sure. They're, they're going to throw him different looks, you know. Um, because the guy, they, look, you don't want to leave this guy one on one. Really, anybody, you know, because he's that good. He's the best in the game, Jefferson. You know, and, um, so I, I expect different looks from Wink, and he's going to stay aggressive, Wink. Especially, you know, the Vikings are missing two key p- pieces up front. They're sending Gavin Bradbury's out. He's been out. Looks like he just like he's not gonna play Sunday. And they lost Brian O'Neill for the year. He's already gone. Those are two big pieces. So Wink's gonna be even more aggressive. He's gonna he's not gonna let Cousins sit in that pocket. Okay. He's gonna go after him. Now, how he plays it on the back end, you know, we'll find out. But they're gonna be a man at times. You know, and if Dory's back, he's gonna be man at times. It's gonna be his job to execute and get the job done against Justin Jefferson. Because there's going to be opportunities there against the Blitz for Cousins if they don't get this. We'll see how it plays out. This is all the game within the game. This is, what, this is what's fascinating every Sunday. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that Vikings offensive line stands up. You're right, the right tackle is obviously gone for, for Sable in terms of he's out for season. The center is gone. They've actually replaced him. Ta- I can't recall which team, but they've taken the center off a of practice squad. We're likely that he will start the game. Yeah, Chris Reed. Yeah. So he's like, once he's in a serviceable center within the league it's still a big ask for him to go in immediately strike up a relationship with Kirk Cousins and again Kirk Cousins is the like again Kirk Cousins is so he's had a reason what season I looked at the numbers in that particular game 299 three touchdowns zero interceptions we have we've been up and down in terms of getting picks we went through an Irish part of the season where we didn't have any interceptions and we got quite a few the, I, I think back to that Second second down play in the last drive that came, which they won, and we got to him, and we turned it into a third and seventeen. Mm. And yeah, we they found a way to get the yards. Like Cousins under under pressure, really struggles and struggles. We've seen Thibodeau gradually with Ujadari again, who again is you know he's had injury concerns all season, but obviously he's going to play the biggest game of the season, of course, during the play. And gradually over the course of the last four to five weeks, they have been getting better as a unit. You know, yeah. collectively, if they can get to him on Sunday and put Cousins under serious pressure, I would imagine we might see an opportunity for interceptions. I'm not going to go out on the limb and say we're going to have two or three interceptions in the game. Yeah. 
certainly put ourselves in a position to to be having interceptions and putting putting them on the back foot here. Oh, there'll be opportunities, Bri. Look, we we should have had one. I mean, Cordell Flat had had one right in his hands, but Thielen came back, made a great play on it. He played the bat. He played DB himself, and you know he got his hand there and knocked that kind of got that ball at it. You know, so should have had one there. Cousins is going to give you a few. I mean, on the pressure, Cousins is going to give you a few opportunities. We've seen that over the years. Now, you know, we uh, he's a he's a quarterback. That you just shake your head at times. Like there'll be some throws he makes. You're like, what the heck? And there'll be other throws he makes, like, man, what a throw, you know? And like you said, he's at over 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, whatever it is. You know, the guy could kill you. The guy the guy could go on a streaky run and really hurt you, you know? But the Giants, they're, they're, they better start knocking him around in that pocket. Look, they had four sacks the last game. Um, they had some hits. Uh, Aziz looks like he's pretty healthy. Aziz looks like he's going to be good to go Sunday. Thibodeau's been really coming on. And then you got Dex and Leo, you know, and then you got your blitz packages, you know. So that's going to be the key, man. That's going to be the key. No question about it. It's going to be getting in there, forcing Cousins to get rid of that ball quicker than he wants to. And now let him sit back in that pocket. Because Cousins sits in that pocket, has some time, he will kill you, and he's got the weapons to do it. So that's going to be one of the keys, no question about it. Yeah, you, you, roughly we're, we're talking about Jefferson, and you touched on the earlier the show. Cork and I, I referred to Madison, the two running backs, but the like they had to trade from TJ Hawkinson. He had two touchdowns in, in that game. He killed him. Killed us. And tight ends tend to kill us, unfortunately. Never seems to have gone away. And obviously, you touched on Thielen there, a great wide receiver throughout the course of his career. Yep, they've got the talent. He, and yeah, they've won eight games at home this season, all by one scores. Mm-hmm. We had Michael Lombardi on the show recently, and he said if Kevin O'Connor was to go to Vegas, they'd shut the doors in the casinos, they wouldn't let him in. He's the luckiest head coach in this league because not only are the Giants getting on their plane, triggering out, they lost the game. There's the Jets had the opportunity to beat them. The Lions let it a lead slip in the last minute. In fact, I think some the Cowboys have gone in and dominated them. I think they beat them forty to seven in that game. They're eight and one at home. And defensively, over the course of the season, they've given up the second most passing yards per game, averaging a two hundred sixty-five. You touch on the fact that we don't have a standout number one wide receiver, but Richie James has played well recently. He's picking up ninety-eight yards in games, and he had a, he's had a touchdown. Like for a guy who's you get another predator we've taken. I wouldn't say off the off the street, but he's he's been serious when he's been around the league. He's he's been really impactful. Hodgins had the touchdown in Minnesota as it happened as well in that game. He's had the four touchdown. Like we do have on Slayton on his day again. Yeah. Like we are, once we recognise we don't have and true number one wide receiver, we've got enough players to go on the offense that if we do get into position and ultimately again, this is where I think again it always seems to go back to Saquon and I hate saying it because it's just a reality situation. We need to get Saquon going in this game to know us the balance, the, the offense. So Daniel is in a position where they have to try essentially either take take Saquon out of the game. And if they try to go down that road, that allows him the opportunity to spread the play out and look for the tight end and look for wide receivers. And due to damage against the secondary, that has been exposed throughout the course of the season. Sure, sure. Hey, look, you know, Brian, when I say they don't have a, a number one, that doesn't mean they can't move the ball through the air. I'm not, you know, I hope. You know, I I don't want to give your your, your audience the impression I'm saying. Well, you know, we're not we're not going to be able to throw the ball. Hey, what did they do last time against the Vikings? They came out winging it all over the place. Daniel threw for 340, 34 yards. All right, so it was a great because Kafka and Dable looked at the matchup and said, okay, well, the Vikings are thirty first in the league against the pass. Okay, they got Duke Shelley on one corner and the future Hall of Famer Peterson, who's on the tail end of his career, on the other corner. We could do some things here, and they did. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins had his way. He had his way with Peterson. I know Peterson got him that one time. He undercut the rat a little bit. Uh, you know, 
for the most part, he was beating Peterson. Matter of fact, Peterson was talking so he couldn't believe it, Peterson. He was talking so much, you know what, to Isaiah Hodgins because Hodgins was beating him time and time again. And then you got Richie James, who's smart. Look, Richie James is a smart guy, but he's so smart. He can, he know, he can read his own defense. He's going to get in the space. Perfect example, last game against the Colts. Daniel steps up in the pocket. James sees that he knows he's in the zone. James comes up a little bit, gets in the space. Daniel sees it. Boom, 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 tucks down. Okay? So they're smart guys. They're smart. And like Dable likes to say, they're smart, tough, and dependable. And then Darius can get over the top of a defense. He could stretch the field. He could give you a couple of verticals a game. So this, so this Viking secondary, you know, they're very weak on the back end. They they have problems stopping the pass. The Giants exposed that last game. It was the mistakes re- the only reason why the fumbles or turnovers, the only reason why they got they came out and able to lose. That's the only reason. But Daniel was throwing the ball, they were moving the ball up and down the field. You know, up and down the field. And then Saquon hits him with that twenty seven yard fourth down run. You know, so Wait, what did Saquon? I think had 84 and 14 touches the last time they played him. So we'll see how they play it. Do they come out and they try to establish a run this time early and then try, and then come out? Or they stick to the same thing? We'll see. Because, you know, the Vikings are going to change it up too. These guys are no dummies either. Ed Donatel over there is not going to do the same thing he did three weeks ago. They're going to try to change up some things themselves. So that's the chess match that you always play with the coordinators. You know, we'll see how they play. But, um, hey, look, just because, you know, there's no DeAndre Hopkins on this team doesn't mean they're not going to be able to move the ball through the air. Especially against these guys. Yeah, interesting you say Saquon with 84 yards. He also had 49 yards in, in receiving in that right. game, so it was certainly a dual threat. I look at the Vikings, and like it's it's amazing where the Vikings are in terms of how strong their season are, and yet when you look at the numbers, it, it doesn't really read very well. I mean, they're averaging in terms of what they're giving up in the run game, 123 yards per game, yeah. 135 over the course of the last three games. And in the games in which they've lost over the season, it's been an average of 150 yards. So you, you look at that, you go into the game and think, Surely Saquon, if the offensive line can hold up, Saquon can have a really effective day. I'm interested to get your thoughts on whether it is all going to be on Saquon or whether you see a, more of a, an impact from Brady and Brightwell. I mean, obviously Saquon was never going to play last weekend. The two guys came in and they're dependable, but I, I don't think we are, we're in a position like where the Vikings are in where they, if they, if Cook was to go out, they could, Madison could step in and, and be effective for the course of four quarters. I don't think we're in a position where we can do that. No. No, I mean it'll be a bit, you know, the Brita Brywell committee, I'm running back by committee, but no, you don't want you don't want to no Saquon's the guy. You know, this offense runs through Saquon. Now whether or not it's always game by game, don't get me wrong. And against the Vikings, like you saw last time, it didn't run through Saquon and ran through Daniel in the series, and then they hit Saquon and Saquon got it going in the second half, big run, all that. But still, let's not forget, Saquon this offense runs through Saquon. And we'll see how they play it this Sunday. And like you said, right, you know, if he comes out and they try to establish the run, and Saquon is running the ball well, the Vikings are in huge trouble. Huge trouble, man. Because that's going to open up even more for Daniel in the passing game. Especially, you're going to have to bring up Harrison Smith. They're going to have to bring up that Bynum kid up in the box more if Saquon's running well. And they just don't cover well enough those corners and, and their nickel corner. They, don't, they just don't cover well enough to go man-to-man or, you know, all that stuff. So, it, it, it's going to be, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, and, you know, Saquon, look, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kenricks are pretty active linebackers, but they just don't cover well either. Let's see if Kafka tries to expose those two with Saquon. Like you said, how many catches there? I'm sorry, Brian. He had like four or five last game catches for something, 40-something. 10, 10 targets for 49 yards in, in receiving yards for, for Saquon. 10 catches last game? 
Yeah, ten. Sorry, ten targets for fourteen. How many catches did he have? I'm sorry. And it was seven. Seven. Okay, so Saquon had seven catches last game. Okay, so you look for that again. Uh, the Giants feel they could get that. They could. They they like that matchup with Saquon against Eric Kendricks or Jordan Hicks in coverage because those guys have been exposed uh, numerous times this year in coverage. So that's another thing the Giants could go to. And we've seen it. We have seen it numerous times during the season, like where you could get uh, Saquon out to the perimeter. I think of the one where he dropped in, in Dallas on the fourth down, similar type of play. If he takes that, he goes to the house potentially. Yeah. Another kind of play you can look for in a tour and short where Saquon is rolling out. Um, I, you touched on it there, the fact that they came out throwing in the last game against the Vikings uh, it, because of the, the weak secondary in which they had them. There was a similar game plan when they went into Jacksonville. Everybody felt Saquon would come out and he went straight down the field, pass, 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 because at that stage of the season, the Jags in the secondary was throwing. They were struggling, they did, yeah. did exactly what they did in that game. Let's go, go for their weak point in the game. Gellers in another position where, where, where the game is winnable and then rely on Saquon in the second half. And you'd like to think we don't find ourselves on Sunday, essentially, Focus on Saquon immediately and let's try to do exactly that try to keep it balanced and then if we are in the second half let's try to say, get Saquon to carriers to a victory that's a great point Brian you know because that Jaguar game I remember everybody thought they were going to come out and run Saquon and what did they do they were winging it right down the field and Darius Slayton on a vertical right <laughs> for touchdown early in the game uh, that, look Brian that's coaching bro that's coaching that's, look, look nobody's trying to be too cute here hey you look at the opponent and you attack their weakness that's what Dable and Kafka did that game. They did it against Minnesota last time. And I expect them to do it again. Let them come out and stop the pass. Let them show different looks. Let, let's, let them try to slow down Daniel in the pass game at first. If they start doing different things, if the, if the Giants can't pass as effectively, well, you got 26 back there. Okay, okay. You, well, you know what? We'll slow down 26. Now we'll bring up Harris. We'll bring, okay, well, we'll go back to the pet, you know? So that's that's not being... This league is about matchups. Okay. You look at the matchups and say, okay, what do we do well? What could we do well? What's their weakness? What's our weakness? What do we have to improve? That's what it's about, man. And when you have coaching that doesn't get too cute because every Sunday I look at coaching and they just get too cute, Brian. And you sit there. How many, Brian, how many times you watch a game and you say, why didn't you run the ball here? You've been running for five yards a carry. Why are you throwing it four straight times? You know, stuff like that. It drives you insane. This staff, look, and it hasn't been a perfect operation where you, you can sit and you go on and never made any. No, but they attack the weaknesses. That's what you do, bro. I'll give you a classic example there. We were talking about being too cute. If you recall the Raiders Seattle game um, in Seattle, and Josh Jacobs was having a day. I think he went for over 300 yards. Yeah, okay. It was a 14 inches. And Josh McDaniel calls an outrib to the side, and, and they, they stuffed them, and they, and they didn't make the first down. And you're, every Raiders fan is thinking, we're, we're running the ball 15, 20 yards. Yeah. I know every play is different. And we only need a couple of inches and we're not handing it off for a running back that is essentially taking the ball up and down the field all day. Yeah. You're right. It drives you insane. It drives you insane. You see it every Sunday. The, the overthink at times. That's what I would think, Tim. Um, you, you touched on something today on social. I just want to come to it. Before. I suppose this is the last piece of the show is around the fact and it's more around their offensive line and when we can co- coexist and, and give Daniel and Saquon the opportunities and something. You touched on the flexibility in the offensive line and, and you said that Brian Dable took a bit of a, a different strategic move today in terms of how we how we mm. play and who's going to play at left guard and whether it's going to be interchangeable yeah. your initial thoughts on how the offensive line and how you feel it would hold up on Sunday yeah uh, you know today was the first time that usually when we've been asking Dable last month or so about the rotation he right away no we're happy with it 
know, what happened with the rotation? Today, he was like, oh, we'll see. You know, it seemed like I, we kind of got the feeling today that Dables maybe wants to settle on a, maybe a Ben Brennison instead of, you know, all Gates at left guard. If I had a guess, probably Brennison, you know. Um, so I think, how are they going to hold up? Well, look, they struggled. Look, Evan Neal struggled against Danielle Hunter big time. Listen, they're going to have to block his Darius Smith. Now, Darius Smith is going to line up all over. He's going to line up over guard, center. He'll line up on the outside. So you have to account for him in every play. So we're not really worried about Andrew on the left side. But Evan Neal is a worry. So they're going to have to get help for him. You're going to have to chip Danielle Hunter. You can't do it every play, but you got, at times you're going to have to get him help because Danielle Hunter was in the backfield a lot last game. Can't have that guy blowing up a game. Can't have a forced fumble, anything like that. So they're going to have to get Evan some help out there um, because uh, he really struggled against Hunter last game. And then Zadarius Smith is their big boy too. He's got 10 sacks. He's going to line up. He's going to go all over. He's going to look for their weakness. Over left guard, he'll look over. He'll line up over the center. He'll line up off right guard. You know all that stuff, and he's going to attack it. So that's going to be that's going to be key. I think they'll be all right. You know, but Evan Neal is going to have to play much better, probably this game because we can't have Daniel Hunter in the backfield every every damn. It seemed like he was in the backfield every other pass last game, and he still threw the ball well, but he was blowing up a lot of stuff last game. Can't have that. Um, so. Evan's going to have to step up because I'm sure if you're in the Vikings room right now, Bri, they're saying to themselves, okay, well, we're going to expose this kid again, you know? So we'll see what happens. It's amazing the, the, the traits and the similar pattern in which him and Andrew Thomas have had to the start of their career. Yeah, yeah. I know we, I, I, it's only two years removed from when people were doing yourself on, on your own, your own great podcast with, with Jerry. You were saying people are going to look to expose Andrew Thomas. That's obviously now not the case anymore because he's no. proven to be a great pick. By Dave Gettleman, the former GM, and yeah, Evan Neal. But again, we can see the potential that Evan Neal has, and I don't think in the long term it's going to be a concern. It's just like the natural reality of a player coming into the league in his first year, especially now where the stakes are even higher for playoffs. It's quite refreshing to be talking to you about a game which, once we want to join us, to win, we, we both said at the start show and off recording that we, t- we generally don't know what way it's going to go. We like to think that we can win it, we think if we win, it'd be a close one. We wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings win a close one in in a weekend where there's games, um, and not to just take away from the Joy's game, but in a weekend where there's games and already people are suggesting blowout in San Fran, blowout up in Buffalo with Skyler Thompson starting that. Genuinely, there's so many people I've looked at different articles today. Some people are picking the Giants, some people are picking the Vikings. That's the nature of this game. I think whatever comes with the game on Sunday, and hopefully we are playing again in the final week. I think they will give a very good account of themselves on Sunday, and Giant fans should be very encouraged for for the future, whether it is, it, this is the last game of the season or not, we should be very encouraged for what's ahead on the table and chain next season. Oh, absolutely, Brian. Absolutely. You know, um, I think I think Giant fans are feeling pretty good. I think Giant fans are pretty confident that Joe Shane will address some of the weaknesses on his team. You know, I think everybody in the world has a confidence in Brian Dable. And I'm around Dable. And when you're around Dable, he just oozes head coach man he just oozes football man and and of course you gotta you gotta prove it on Sundays on the sideline you know and I look for the game plans I look to see how they're attacking teams and look one of a sign of a very good coach is a guy that's getting everything out of should we say middle type football players not the most talented guys you know and not only that you're winning games with these guys here they are in the playoffs with a pretty decent roster 
Not, I think you would agree, Brian, not really a playoff roster, okay? But here they are, a playoff roster. They're in the playoffs, okay? So Giant fans should feel real, real confident about the future, man, because, you know, I was talking with Carl Banks the other day, and I said, yo, Carl, I said, man, I, I, I could see this guy, Dable, leading us to where we want to go down the road. He was a 100% agreement, man. He was like, Chris, I have the same damn feeling with this guy. This guy just gets it. You know, he he knows how to attack a game plan. He knows how to motivate players. At the same time, the plays really like him, you know. Um, so, and I think we have a GM who was playing with no money last offseason. Don't forget, get him and left him with basically scraps money-wise. And now you're going to have a GM that's going to have around 58 to 60 million right around that range, maybe even more if it releases, whatever the hell the number is going to be, but he's going to have money to play with. He's going to have another draft class coming in. And then you got Dable coaching these guys up. Feel confident, Giants fans, because it definitely should be a very, very bright future. Very bright future. And now you have a quarterback that I think a lot of people have confidence in. That. And that's that's huge, Brian, as you know. That's huge. Whether you're a Giants fan in Ireland, UK, you're, um, and we know quite so many on the course in the States, I think every Giants fan's in lockstep that the future is in safe hands. Uh, one thing on Dable again, once I didn't call out to start the show, was it's not so much the players, it's everybody within the facilities. We're not going to what part of the organization you're working in. He seems to find time for everybody, which is a great sign. She does. It's, it's about everybody, not just the players and the team and himself. But Chris, I won't ask you for a pick for the game, so I want you to save that for your own for your own show. Uh, the Giants Inside a Podcast for Giants fans this side of the world. If you haven't listened by now, I don't know where you have been. Second of all, uh, maybe you're in living under the cave, but you should check out the Giants Insider podcasts uh, twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. I think once during the off-season, you and Jerry do a great great, you know, great show every week. Um, I right. love it. It's very enjoyable. Chris, I really thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we get past this weekend and we might have a return visit for another show in the lead-up to the divisional round. But let's just see how we go on Sunday for now. Chris, I really appreciate your time to see you. Brian, it's been a pleasure. Hope to talk to you real soon, buddy.